Please be seated. Well, we have made it. We've made it to the beginning of a new year. We have made it to the beginning of a new semester. No doubt many of you today will be having new classes, meeting new professors. This is a time of year where we focus on the things that are new and the things that we want to do with them. We set ourselves objectives. We set ourselves goals. We decide what it is that we want out of the days to come. And we are at an institution of higher learning, and so one of those outcomes that probably ought to be desirable for everybody in this room would be the acquisition of wisdom, right? Brain development is good if you are uh, in a college environment, so we should let's focus on that just a little bit for uh, today. Now, guidance for attaining wisdom is going to be pretty crucial. If you didn't need guidance to get wisdom, then why bother, you know, coming to college in the, uh, in the first place, right? So we look to places for it. We look, of course, to Scripture in Hunsey Hall, uh, emblazoned on the wall. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We look to sources that are not quite Scripture, but are like almost Scripture, like syllabi. If the, if the answer isn't in the Bible, it's probably in the syllabus. So we look to these sources for wisdom as we, as we try to grow in it. But the quest for wisdom has a gigantic pitfall that's hard attached to that thing, which is, what does wisdom actually look like? It's hard to find something when you don't know what that thing looks like. I was in seminary, and so the seminary guys will go out uh, preaching when uh, there's pastors who are absent or vacant churches or if the pastor's sick, uh, that sort of thing. And I was going to extraordinarily rural Minnesota in order to do a preaching gig. Now, we had GPS back when I was in seminary. Uh, I'm not that old yet. Uh, however, I am old enough that GPS wasn't particu particularly fantastic yet, and so the roads up in that part of Minnesota had not been mapped. They were all dirt roads. I'd been on a dirt road for 45 minutes, uh, so it just been the little blue arrow for my car and brown on my GPS for forever. Uh, the instructions were, uh, let's say, vague. Like one of the instructions was turn left at the big tree. And so as I drove mile after mile, I was getting increasingly concerned. I didn't know what the big tree really looked like. How big was a big tree? Is that tree big enough to be a big tree? And uh, so I didn't know what I was looking for, so I didn't know where to turn. I'd never been to the church, so I didn't know what the church looked like. They had told me that the office door would be unlocked when I got there. So after driving kind of aimlessly for a while, I found a church, and I pulled in. And I'm like, I don't know if this is the church I'm supposed to be at. So I went up, office door was open. I walked in, and there inside the church, all of the pews had been leaned up against the walls of the church, and spider webs had covered basically the entire thing. There was a huge statue of uh, crucifix, right? Statue of Jesus on the cross, but Jesus had pulled away from the cross and was now hanging over the over the room at like an angle. If anybody here is shooting a horror movie this year, I have a wonderful location for you. So, you know, I back out, slam the door, I upset a nest of bees which attacked me. And so, anyway, long story short, if you don't know what the thing you're looking for looks like, you can end up in terrible, terrible places. It really helps to know what you're looking for. 
we are looking at a very short verse today. But it accomplishes something amazing. It tells us not only where to find what it is that we're looking for, it also tells us what it is uh, that we are looking for, what it looks like, what that thing is that we're looking for, specifically wisdom. This is one of those rare psalms of Moses that we don't come across too often in the Bible. It's one of the more traditional psalms to use around New Year's, and that's a little unusual because the entire psalm pretty much is about death. It's all death, book-ended with little bits about uh, uh, you know, trusting in God as our refuge. So it's kind of a strange place to kick off 2020 by uh, launching a new semester and speculating about how we might not survive it. But that is where wisdom begins here. Let's take a look in our uh, bulletin. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. It says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We gain a heart of wisdom by numbering our days correctly. That word wisdom that gets used in these verses, the Israelites had a very different conception of that word than everyone around them. Pretty much everyone around them had kind of a Greek mentality. The Greeks weren't exactly powerful just yet uh, at this time, but the idea of wisdom was sort of something that you discover that you build, that you make for yourself, uh, that you research. The Israelites had a very unique take on this word wisdom. Their take on it was that wisdom was actually submission to something bigger than you. Submission to something wiser, smarter, more glorious than you. That's where it started for them. It wasn't a function of intelligence. It was the imitation of a perfect God. And that is why it kind of needs to start with this honest look at death. Death is hard to contemplate. And I know that a lot of you guys oftentimes hear the reason that it's difficult for you to contemplate is because you're so young. But I don't think that's necessarily the case, right? It, being young definitely is an insulator that we can use against thinking about death. But even there, it gets punctured every now and then. I just went to the, I just had the doctor tell me for the very first time that basically something that was wrong with me was just the way it was going to be now until I die. And that was unsettling to hear that they're not fixing me anymore. Um, but, uh, and gives you this little insight into what's coming up. But all that is is just one piece of insulation that got pulled away right up until our dying day. We're going to have protective barriers that we're putting against ourselves and having to think about this. That's why Moses didn't just address these verses to young people. People in general have a difficult time numbering their days aright. Why? Why is it so hard for us to think about this? Especially when it's the only universal. We are going to die, and it will happen to everyone that we love. Why, why does thinking about this, why is this so difficult for us? Well, for one, it really reveals how little we are in command. It's very hard to say that you are in charge of your own life when you can't even prevent the thing that you least want to happen, uh, depending on what you read. Maybe it's public speaking that you least want to happen, but let's go with death for today, okay? It demonstrates just how insanely futile we are 
We don't have the power to prevent even the things that we most desperately don't want to have happen. It shows us how small we are. It shows us how brief we are. You exist for this tiny little finite number of years in this world with infinity behind you and infinity in front of you. Mathematically, you barely exist at all. Mathematicians and philosophers and scientists, when they contemplate these things, realize that they've just found something that's incredibly wise. They marvel at the fact that we are these tiny little pricks, that we are these tiny little specks in a universe that's vast and cold. And they know that they're wiser for it. And they are only making it part of the way. Realizing your insignificance is the start of things. Scripture steers us to the reflection that comes from that. I am small and God is big and I will reflect him. I should reflect the one who does matter, who does have an impact. And in that respect, we fail often and we fail miserably. But Christ submitted instead. Christ certainly did not have to. He is God. He is almighty and he chose to submit. He chose to be contained as a human being. He chose to come into a world of suffering. The world he created was perfect. We built the suffering here. He chose to submit to the suffering that we built. He chose to submit to the punishment that we had earned and the Lord of life submitted to death on the cross, on our behalf, submitted to a punishment that was ours to take. It's a really unique kind of submission. And it really teaches us to number our days aright. Uh, Moses says something in, uh, in this chapter in Psalm 90 that I always find to be a little bit funny. Uh, he says, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. Moses talks about life in this world as something wretched and horrible. Now, contextually, the Israelites would probably not have had much of a problem with accepting this as the truth, right? They were wandering around in the wilderness. Life probably was pretty wretched and pretty horrible, hence all the grumbling that they were doing and the snakes and so forth, right? So in the context of this thing, you can definitely appreciate it at a different level, but this world holds so little for us. Jesus submitted to all of it so that we could have his world instead, an eternal world, a world of perfection, a world of beauty. Our days in this life uh, are an affliction. The days that we have in the life that he's won for us are a joy and a glory. Focusing on Jesus and his demonstration of wisdom by submission to God shows us the way to number our days aright. We have a very brief time here in this world, and we have an eternity secured for him in heaven. God grant you wisdom in all your ways this semester, in 2020, and unto your eternal home. Amen. This morning, we will uh, remember in prayer 
Carl Bladel Jr. He's the brother of uh, Professor Pete Bladel. He's also the uncle of uh, a couple of students who are here. Uh, he underwent emergency heart surgery yesterday. Uh, we'll remember in our prayers this morning. Please rise. Lord God, Father in heaven, you see how our days in this world are marked by difficulty and frailty. Be our strength as we move through this world with all its troubles. Look especially with mercy on Carl Bladel Jr. as he undergoes the struggles and pain of heart issues. Give him your wisdom as a comfort in the days ahead, even as you give skill to the doctors and the nurses that attend him. If it be your will, restore him to health and grant gladness to him and his family for his days in this world. Remind us in our temporary travels here of the hope and joy that is secured in our eternal home. Amen.